It has been a while, hasn't it? Um, we have been, like we could say that we've been just so busy with the new building. I don't know if that's the issue or whatever, but we're just going to be honest. It's been a while. Um, we've missed you. I don't know if you've missed us, but this is another episode of Consider This in which uh, we're looking at the focus of this year in our Sunday mornings is going to be on the teachings of Jesus, looking at his, uh, or, and the events of Jesus. So um, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about Jesus. And you might think, well, don't we always do that? Yeah, no, we do always do that. But this is going to be a little bit more, mostly either in the Gospels or looking at what the uh, rest of the Bible uh, reveal about him. And so we just want to talk about why we're doing that and maybe even sympathetically hear um, how to make sure that we do that in a way that uh, also never fails to recognize he's called us to a particular place and time to be faithful witnesses of who Jesus Christ is. Um, I've got uh, two of the smartest people I know with me. And uh, we've got Ryan, Drew, and Justin uh, with us in the, in the podcast. I'll let you guys work out the details on that one. I uh, hope it's a blessing and a challenge to you. Sunday school answer, Jesus. That's the answer to almost every question. The answer is Jesus, right, guys? Mm-hmm. So today we're going to be looking at, is it even possible to talk about Jesus too much? Or what does it mean that every answer is Jesus? And isn't life and faith a little more complicated than that? And yet, obviously, Jesus is a big deal in terms of who we are and how we understand ourselves. So I want to begin with this question. Um, since we spend, uh, we're going to spend this entire year working on the events of Jesus in the first half, and then we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about the teachings of Jesus in the second half. Um, why are we doing that? Like, what's the what's the reason for the Jesus thing? Are we trying to make up for lost time, or uh, are we are we making some kind of mid course correction? What's going on, Ryan? Yeah, we are um, here at Sunnybrook. We are taking a year um, to observe a little more intentionally with our preaching and our worship and our corporate prayers and other such things that are involved in Sunday mornings, particularly to observe what's known as the church calendar. Many of you would be familiar with it, and I'm not going to go into the the details of it, but Largely speaking, the the Christian calendar year doesn't follow the January 1st to December 31st model. Rather, it is in two big cycles, beginning four weeks before Christmas when Advent starts, where you go from Advent all the way through Easter or really to Pentecost, and you you work through the story of the coming of Christ, his ministry, his miracles, his passion on the cross, his resurrection. And so you recount these stories that are found in the four Gospels every single year from effectively Christmas to early summer and that's what we're doing and then the the back half of the year talks more it it focuses more on the implications of the gospel so you take on matters of evangelism and discipleship and living out the Christian life here and now so that's what we're doing and so we are we're right now making our way through the the events of Jesus and then we will pivot toward the teachings of Jesus after Easter. And we are actually doing so out of all four Gospels, a little bit of a harmony as we make our way through. So that's, that's what we're doing this year and how it connects to the calendar. So, Justin, is there like another reason why we would go, yeah, like it's not crazy for us to spend a lot of time on Jesus, uh, what he did and what he taught? I mean, not this, I'm not trying to belittle the question, but... The obvious answer to me is he was God in the flesh, so he is the being who has eternally existed, who made all things, who holds all things together, who effectively has changed 
started history and changed the course of history and has um, is the focus of all of existence. And so it seems crazy to think that, sure, right? Sure. And so that's why you say something like, it seems like the obvious answer might be, well, at some level, sure, yes. And so we want to know as much as we can about Jesus and to somehow assume we've reached the peak of knowing everything we can about Jesus, so it's time to move on to other subjects. That's where it becomes a um, a little bit of an arrogant spot for us to be in. So, Drew, then I'm going to ask this question, like, is it, I mean, don't we don't we know enough about like what don't you know about Jesus that you're going to discover when someone's preaching or if you're the one writing one of the sermons? Like, how 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 do you look at that? Yeah, you know? uh, man, you know it's there there there's a degree to which like you talk about Jim a lot, and I've always kind of appreciated the idea of like we'll never come to the end of knowing God that there's no end to Him. You know what I mean? Uh, but it it does bring an interesting question can you can you come to the end of knowing what is revealed about Jesus in the scriptures yeah. right because there is only so much that the scriptures say there's a lot but yes. there's still a finite amount sure, that is sure. in the scriptures and so sure. can you come to the end of knowing that um and and I mean, I guess, yeah, you can. There could be a person who could literally just memorize the New Testament and say everything the New Testament says about Jesus. Um, but I think that there is always uh, the implications of those things will vary in a hundred different ways. Sure. And will meet us at different points in our lives in different ways. And so I will need to know and hear and see new things about Jesus um, as a young father than maybe I even did as a young single guy. And, and depending on the things that are happening in my life, I'll, I'll need to see and hear and experience new things. And I also think, um, there's just a lot of things that, uh, it's almost like I'm, I'm looking at this. If I look at this kind of above view picture of Jesus and there are all these little, uh, dots that represent different uh, understandings of Jesus, his love and his compassion and his holiness and his all that stuff. I could technically get all those dots down, but all those dots also run a mile deep into yeah. the ground. Yep. And so there's, there's a greater level of depth that I can and know of those things. And I think also experience yeah. to some degree. So. And, you know, you take the variable of life changing uh-huh. or even you changing through your own life. I mean, I'm, I'm now uh, looking at life as a uh, dad with kids that are out on their own, and Andrew and I are now empty nesters. And so the teachings of Christ or the applications, the implications of uh, his teaching and his actions really do take on. So it's all these different variables yeah. that, we're, that we're honestly looking at. There is a principle that I'm increasingly becoming uh, appreciative of, that whenever you get into a debate or a conversation and you're trying to listen to someone and you're trying to actually move the ball forward instead of argue with one another, uh, the the idea of having charity towards the other person. When they're asking the question or making the statement or the critique, that you first of all assume they mean well. They're not trying to undo everything. So I, I want to look at this, and Ryan, I'm going to ask you, look at the look at the statement from a charitable in a charitable way. So we're not going to get defensive and go, how can you say that we don't, you know, that we could talk too much about Jesus? Like that's not what we're going to do. We're going to try to understand where they're coming from how would we, in a position of charity, understand where a well-intended meaning person would go, wow, like, I mean, all I hear about is Jesus. All I hear about is yeah. Jesus. All I hear about is Jesus. There's so much more. Um, what, are they, what are they trying to say that we could actually even learn from? Yeah, I think, you know, a famous saying comes to mind um, is that 
we want to be careful that we're not so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, mm-hmm. right? And so there is this this um, idea that if you if you just focus on the text, if you just focus on the text, if you just focus on the text, actual needs are like of, of people around you are going to go unmet or unnoticed, and and then they'll look. They'll say those very scriptures that you guys are obsessed with knowing and knowing and knowing call us to care for people. Yeah. And yep. and while your nose isn't, if I could put like a a, a fictional accusation to it. I've never heard anybody say this, but it feels at times like while your nose was in that book, there were actual Christian responsibilities that yeah. you that you neglected. Yeah. And I and I do get a sense that at times perhaps that could even be true in some sense. I think it might be a misconstrual of what's taking place most of the time, but I understand it. Yeah. So they're looking for uh, greater and more application. I think so. Uh, greater and more kind of a response to things. Yeah, I can. I mean, I, yeah, go I'll ahead, Drew. That. I don't even have to try to, like, you know, put myself in somebody else's shoes. Like, I, that's been, I remember several years ago we had a podcast and we were talking about Matthew and we had Mark Scott in yeah. uh, in the podcast. And Mark was just talking about how much he loves the Gospels and how much, I mean, his, his whole thing is he would answer your first question, Jim, um, you know, why do we focus on it so much? He would say because the Gospels are the center of the Scriptures. Yep. Everything before that in the Old Testament is leading us up to that, and everything after that is explaining that. And so that's <laughs> the center point. And Mark was talking about how I, I can't remember what I, in my mind it was something like he said, like he wants to spend, you know, twice as much time yeah. in the Gospels as anywhere else studying. Yep. Yep. And you know, one of the rules of being a graduate of Ozark Christian College is you just don't disagree with Mark Scott <laughs> or, or any quote from Seth Wilson. Exactly. Um, right? And, exactly. and then one of the rules of working on staff at Sunnybrook is that you don't disagree with Mark Scott in front of Jim Johnson. <laughs> and I was in that situation of like both of them. So I'm like, I, you know, that's but good. there's honestly, there's a part of me in my mind as he's saying those things that's going, I like the ideal of what you're saying, Mark, but that just isn't my reality because, um, like, it is harder to um, apply the, the gospel stories and put those directly into my life. Um, it's harder to sure, do that than it sure. is with the epistles. The epistles are the explanation of the gospels. Yep. And so there's this part of me that goes, I, I agree with you, Mark, like it's the explanation. So why not just get to the explanation? Yeah. Um, there's a, there's the like kind of like, there's the quick route way of trying to apply the gospels where we go, let's look at what Jesus did and then we try to figure out how we do those things too. And so Jesus was compassionate. So let's be, that's our sermon this week, be more compassionate like Jesus. And Jesus was, spoke the truth. So let's speak the truth. And Jesus fought temptation with scripture. So fight temptation. And those are kind of the quick shortcut routes, but that's not what the gospels are trying to get across to us. And so when I started to understand more accurately what the gospels were saying, they're trying to not show me some cool examples of how to live, but they're just trying to lift up the person and work of Jesus. There was something that was cool about that. And then I actually found that almost taking away from my desire to want to to do it more. It's kind of like, I, okay, so then I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Especially when you realize that the Gospels are driving a lot of times towards one or two major themes. Yeah. So in yep. in Mark, Jesus is the suffering king, the yeah. suffering Messiah. He is sure. the Messiah, and the Messiah must suffer. Those are the two halves of the Gospel. And so every week when we're preaching, it's like, all right, here's the big idea. Jesus is the Messiah. 
Jesus is the Messiah, and the Messiah is going to suffer. Jesus, and, and there's some level where you go, okay, so what am I going to do with this? Yep. And, and so I, I have wrestled a lot with that in my own mind where I have found myself um, in recent years less and less in the Gospels um, for that reason. Just go, man, I, I just don't know how to take that and put that, okay, so therefore I do this today. What, yeah. what do I do? How about I go to Romans or I go to Ephesians, and the back half of Ephesians will start to tell me what I do with the things I know about Jesus. Jesus, you know, so yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a great point because I like how you're, you're getting at the heart of it, which is uh, at the at the practical level, you know, because Mark would always tell me, um, make sure that you're always at some level, personally or even in your church, he would say that somewhere the gospel, a, a gospel, is yeah. being taught and preached and whatever. So make sure someone's always, in the, make sure you're always in. A, so I heard that all the time, kind of growing up, and it wasn't always my practice. Yeah, and I'd have that Mark Scott little. I have a Mark Scott on one soldier uh, sh- uh, shoulder, and then devil on the other. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> okay, so a couple of texts that come to my mind are James one twenty two. So. Don't merely hear the word, do what it says. So that's a pretty clear text. We don't need a lot of help understanding that one. I think of Matthew 25, another text that really impacted my life when I was 10 years ago, 11 years ago, where Jesus is going through you know, how he's going to separate the sheep and the goats, um, those who are in, those who are out. He says, well, those who actually fed me and clothed me and visited me in prison, those are the ones that are with me. I said, well, we didn't see you, Jesus. What do you mean? He's like, well, what you did for the least of these, you did for me. You did for me. So it's pretty obvious Jesus does want us to care for people in Acts um, as they realize there's some specific needs of their community. They they set some people aside to meet those needs. They don't say, eh, that's not a big deal. Let us go stay. But the interesting (laughs) part of that text is there are a group of people that say, no, that is important. We need you to yeah. go do that because yeah. we need to help lead this and t- stay in the scriptures to teach the scriptures. And so there really is like this false dichotomy that's yeah. been created between yeah. doing what Jesus says and listening to what God says through his word and the word made flesh, which is Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are the texts can that I come add, to my mind. Can I add a piece that I think um, many of our people, um, <clears throat> I think this would resonate with many of our people. And I'm basing that on just conversations that I've had. But I think that. Um, say we've got 35 minutes to preach and the stage timers here in the floor are blinking at the preacher. We've got a text, a beautiful text from Mark 1, right? We have 35 minutes to unpack. What, and when, you, when you preach Mark 1, you took on like four or five different sure. stories because sure. Mark just goes through them so quickly. But we've got to unpack that in 35 minutes. Often, I think our tendency is to explain the text really well and then go light on the application, if for no other reason, because we've run out of time. And I think a lot of our people, especially with you, Jim, they, they so value your insights and your opinions that they want you to tell them what to do sure. with it. Sure. And, and oftentimes we, we preach in a way where most of our people are left to infer what they ought to do with it. Yeah. And we've yeah. really just explained it and lifted up Jesus because, as Drew pointed out, that is really... Almost all you can do in the Gospels. The Gospels, while there are universal commands given, mostly they're just describing the life of this God-man. And so the inferences can even be, the implications can even be a few degrees removed from what the text is actually saying. And our people are like, but I want you to clearly tell me, like, what I'm supposed to do with that this yeah. afternoon. Yeah. And, and, I, and so, again, I think I'm, I'm being pretty charitable. I, I can understand that. I yeah. really can. Under, now... 
maybe listening to your sermons as a preacher, I just listen to them a little differently than your run-of-the-mill Sunnybrooker, but um, I, I think that they, they do want some clarity on what does this mean for my life today or this week. And then I think on the other side of that, a lot of people would ask, why are we in the... Like, I know these stories. I've heard these stories yeah. growing up. Yep. And yep. I think that there is a false sense of familiarity with them. Even talking with Justin about the sermon that he's going to be preaching this week, there are some surprising details in a very familiar story about Jesus and his interaction with a man possessed by demons. And I think a lot of us think we know that story really well. And it, the, the Gospels... I don't know the person... Uh, that, the person that knows the gospel so well that there's nothing left to get out of them, that person does not attend Sunnybrook. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> and so um, I, I, I'm always shocked by even texts that I've studied at a rather deep level that I, I learn something every time. Yeah, and I'll tell you the other thing that I, I, I have to be honest with is the fact that somebody critiqued me one time. This had been years ago. They said, you know, you, you give us these teachings, you give us these teachings, and I bet you you even go home and you and Andrea, because your marriage is in a pretty – biblically centered world and your kids have been kind of for the most part taught the bible those kinds of things it's probably more natural for you to to live that out and you're having conversations all the time because you've got a believing wife and half believing kids you know in terms of kind of how that's working and then you go to work and you've got these you're constantly like figuring this out like once i walk out of here on sunday like i'm alone hmm. and i'm kind of left and so i don't know if i have the opportunity even to interact with that and therefore, it does come across to them somewhat as flat, somewhat yeah. as they're not, they're not just ask, asking for like creative application. They're asking for like basic application. Yeah. And as you, you guys, I think, would all, all admit, application of biblical material takes on new levels. Talking about those circles that run miles deep, they run miles deep through repetition and through trusting Jesus more and more and more and more and more and more in different circumstances, learning to trust Jesus financially. And then what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. You know, because we can do a thing on the prosperity gospel and go, he's not just going to give you, like, money magically. Like, that's not what it means to trust in God, and he'll put $1,000 in your account if you ever have a problem. Like, that's not what it means. So yep. here's what it means to trust him with the spiritual development of your children. Here's what it means to trust him in the fact that the waywardness of your heart and your marriage. Here's what it means to trust him. And so the one thing I'll, one thing I'll confess is uh, there's a friend of mine who's going through some serious trauma right now. And so I'm, I'm sending them uh, texts every morning, scriptures every morning to encourage them. And the least, I'm just going to say it out loud, the least um, spoken author that I've been sending this person is actually gospel accounts or the words of Jesus. I went back and I decided, wow, we're going to probably be doing this for a while. So I'm going to go back and make sure I don't send the same ones. And it's mostly the Psalms. And then there's uh, a lot in the, the general epistles, mostly Paul. Um, and then, and then there are some in Jesus, but when I'm trying to go through and try to find these things that are somewhat applicable, it's weird. I either have to send these long narratives, which I'm not saying that aren't there, but when I'm trying to send like eight or nine verses in a row to really encourage someone, I've been surprised. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm one of my goals after this podcast is to go back and to try to mine the, the words of Jesus to try to find some more um, applicable spots. Anything else on having a charitable disposition t towards what what someone might be saying. And I guess maybe what I might be doing here <laughs> is preempting critiques in May when we're still doing the Jesus stuff, you know, and uh, trying to get out ahead of it and saying, listen, like, we're not crazy and we're not, and we're not wanting to just go, hey, duh, it's Jesus. He's the center of the universe. Why wouldn't we talk about him? No, we did a lot of times 
go, we were through the book of Acts, or we were in the book of Psalms, or we were, so we've gone other places, right? Yep. So I this, isn't, this isn't just about the Bible. This yeah. is actually about Jesus. So it's not, why do we spend so much time in the biblical material? We're really asking, why is Jesus such a big deal within the biblical material? Yep. I think that um, oftentimes we get frustrated or bored with repetition. And whenever you're just in the same stories over and over and over, um, it, it can feel like, man, and, and I really do believe that m- many of us come to a sermon and it's less about engaging scripture through worship and it's more about learning something. It's a very, um, we often engage with a sermon on an intellectual level and it's like, okay, Jim, yeah, I know, yeah. I know, I know. And uh, I think we devalue what repetition does in the formation of our hearts. And that's that's one of the reasons that I've kind of been a, an, an advocate for taking on a, an approach to preparing these services around the church calendar because it has repetition baked into it. And there is just something that, yeah, I can um, I can assent to information and agree with it, but I I need to I need to chew on it more often. And I don't think that that's um, that doesn't sound interesting to many people. Yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you, in, in an age of novelty, right, in an age of innovation, always wanting something new, you know, Jesus 2.0 kind of a scenario. So anything else before I move to this last question? The only thing I thought in the, on the charitable spectrum is we recognize there is a ton of brokenness in the world, and people who follow Jesus at some level know, like, we're the best answer to that. Yeah. And so we need to really focus in on meeting those needs. And it feels like there's times where we're just focused in on something else. Yeah. And then, like we've already mentioned, we create this false problem that this is act- – the problem is we're doing that instead of this. And it's like, well, number one, you may not be seeing something. Number two, that's actually not the problem. It's yeah. that we're not taking it to a, a different level. And so uh, that's the, the only thing I would say is – we all recognize there really is brokenness, and we do want to fix that. And that's what I think other people are highlighting. Okay. So then to end this up, we've been talking a lot about application and practicality issues. What are some things that we can do? Um, or we can, you know, for those of you that are listening to this that are part of the Sunnybrook family and uh, will be listening to these repeated stories from the Gospels. And uh, even when we go to the Pauline letters or to the general epistles, we're going to be looking back at how this is built upon a premise based on Jesus Christ, who he is and what he, what he, what he did. So what are some things that, that you think we can actually do or our people can be looking for um, or maybe even some things that they can do to keep it applicable and fresh? How can we make sure that we're answering the charitable questions that people are people are dealing with? Mr. Moss, can I begin with you, sir? Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this question just on the way over here and just... Uh, I don't know, man. What a what an odd and good and weird question, you know. To go back to what Ebert said at the beginning, you know, the things that are true about Jesus. Colossians one says that um, everything in existence was made f- through him and for him. Uh, so everything we see around us, um, you know, everything we see, everything we know, everything that has ever existed, swirls around the person of Jesus. And, you know, Hebrews 1 says that he's the radiance of God's glory. And so all the majesty of God, all the glory and the beauty is found in this person. And it's so, you know, just weird to me that I have to ask the question. This is, man, this is me I'm talking sure, about. Sure, like, like, sure, How do I keep my, how do I 
keep myself from getting bored with this person? Um, <laughs> how do I keep this from being just such a, like, uh, just a cliche thing? How do I talk about Jesus week in, week out without getting a little bit just kind of worn down? And that's such an odd thing, you know what I mean? But it is a real thing. It's a real thing. Like, You're saying, I'm confessing this. Yes, there's yeah. something like, but I mean, I'm confessing that there's something yep. broken in yep. me, that that's yep. a true statement. But yep. it is a true yep. statement, right? Um and 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 I really gosh I think it's I think it is hard I think even though the things of Jesus are true and real and and beautiful and and that they are actually satisfying and exciting to learn and dwell about you're not going to oftentimes or not every time get like the quick fix from thinking about Jesus like you get from Netflix yeah. or like you get from, you know what I mean, YouTube, yeah. or th- those yeah. things just give a little bit more of a quick fix than Jesus does. But, man, these things that are true of him, if it is true of him, um, then, gosh, I, you know, I, I, I got to think that the more I can clear my mind of the clutter of other things, the more I can and see that, uh, gosh, there's, there is so much to see, and I don't have to keep trying to figure out ways to make Jesus fresh. Uh, I think about that when it comes to communion. You know, one of the critiques, our, our movement, our church, practices communion every week, and one of the critiques from others that sure, don't is, sure. you know, if you do that every week, it loses its specialness. It loses its sacredness. You know, to which my reply is always, yeah, the problem is on my end. If yeah. it loses, if yeah. what communion is, this remembering of what Christ has done for me and the and the oneness it brings with me and him and then with me and my brothers and sisters sitting in the pew with me, if there's something that gets ho-hum about that, the problem's on my end. And it's not that I'm just thinking about that too much. Um, and so, you know, the freshness, man, I... I, I, I'm still wrestling with the answer because, like I said, there, there's a brokenness in me. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think there has to be some level of my own, my own ability to use imagination and place myself within the story and see Jesus looking at me when he says things and, and those kinds of things rather than just learning some facts about yeah. something, yep. Yep. A, a story, a fat background information about it, but actually to put myself in there. Um, Michael DeFazio one time said to our college group when he came and spoke at a retreat, uh, he just said, hey, let's just say right now, Jesus walks in this room and he walks up to you and he says, hey, let's go over here. You and I need to talk. Um, What is it that he's going to be talking to you about? (laughs) And I love that idea. And it's just kind of this quick way of going, it's this quick way of assessing what things in my life is God pressing on me. And and if Jesus came and said, we need to talk about something. What do you think he's going to talk about? Yeah. And you, you know what I mean? I love, and, but I think that there's something that could really work like that with, with these uh, scriptures as I'm hearing Jim preach or Justin preach this week. And he's, quoting the words of Jesus. I go, if I'm in that story and Jesus turns to me in this moment, what does he say to me about what's going on here and yeah. how I need to process this? I think that I think that could be a good practice. Yeah, know? I think it's a great practice. Anything else, guys? Ways that we can help our people or that they can help themselves as we move forward through this year focused on Christ? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think this might be just an extension of what Drew is describing here, but... Um, it's been good for me over the last couple of years to develop and further foster a what's known as a more sacramental view of creation. Um, and this is the idea that if this, this cosmic Jesus of Colossians 1 really does knit all of these things together, and if they are designed to glorify him and serve his ends, then 
I I've just I've learned over time to view my circumstances, my situation, my surroundings differently. Like I've I've suddenly found out what it means to be able to walk through the woods and like take like partake like, uh, view the glory of God in nature. I have I've um I've understood what it is to like pull my child up into my lap and read a book to them because I've got a a a heavenly father relationship that I can now kind of bestow on them that they can learn something about Christ through me as part of the creation. And so there's there's just all of this that I've I've learned to not take my faith in an unintellectual way, but I've been able to add to it an embodied form of worship. Huh. Even coming in here on Monday mornings and yep. the act of getting out of that pew and kneeling to confess my sins, even though I say the exact same thing every week, there's just something um, sacred about that. There's something sacred about having a meal uh, with, like sharing a meal with brothers and sisters in Christ. There's just something about, and so whenever I start to view my surroundings through this more sacramental lens, the the centrality of Christ becomes something that that feeds me that that it, it helps me even make sense of certain things and then I have to go to the epistles to understand certain implications and how things work but if you uh, if you really understand the John one Jesus the Colossians one Jesus that all of these things were truly created by the Word then um, I don't know I just walk through my day differently than I used to. So, Justin, if you're going to give us as a staff some advice as we're walking through this Jesus series, and not just from the sermon, like, I mean, because this is going to infect a lot, our life group resources are going to be this, it's going to infect and affect a lot of other things. What advice would you give us as a staff that as we focus on Jesus, in order to make sure that we're answering good questions about application and um, uh, even the human desire to want to see things and to see things, I don't know if that's necessarily bad, I just we got, think we've got to be careful not letting that rule um, yeah. kind of how we're processing information. What advice would you give us? I think try to think of the nuance of who's saying that. So who's saying we're talking too much about Jesus and what's going on in the background that's causing them to say that? Because it's going to be different for different people. Some people, there really may be a hardness and like a bitterness that has built up because of something or a long string of things that they may not realize it now, but they've, they've built up a hardness of heart either toward the church, as in Sunnybrook, the capital C church, or a little bit of bitterness toward God because they don't think he's running things the way that he should. And they may or may not recognize that. And so being able to see that and lovingly use the scriptures, as Paul says to Timothy, to you know, rebuke correct and correct and, rebuke. and encourage, right? be mutually yeah. encouraged. And that means to strengthen you up, to help increase somebody's faith. Um, I think for some, there is a real dryness that has come as a result of the last year. And we need to be able to give them living water and we, hmm. we believe and we know that that is Jesus, that that is the word, that when you meditate on the precepts of God, that when your heart is humble, you actually like receive that with joy. That, that really does replenish you. For me, like I had gone through a seat, we talked about this, yeah. of some anger and some frustration and questioning things. And focusing on Jesus these last few weeks has revitalized my soul. Yeah. Okay? I, I'm, not, I'm not someone that's going to say I'm an expert, but 
I've got a few degrees in studying the Bible. I've, I've done a few teachings on studying the Bible. Again, doesn't make me knowing at all. Yeah. But me studying Jesus for these last five weeks personally has revitalized my soul. I needed it, yeah. and I want it. And it, it makes me feel ashamed that somehow over the past few months with how hard things have been, I distanced myself from Jesus rather than leaning into Jesus. Yeah. It's just it, it's embarrassing to say that out loud. Yeah. And I, I think the last thing I think of is with my children or with my wife, um, I tell them I love them a lot. I tell my kids I'm proud of them a lot. Yeah, sure, I have to correct behavior and thinking, speaking, those things. I tell them I love them a lot, and they need to hear that. Okay? I need to hear that from Debbie. I love hearing that from my kids. And I think that's true in the scriptures. We need to hear about the gospel of God a lot. We need to hear about the person of Jesus a lot, more than once probably. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. One of the things my dad was always good at was I would think I was doing something all the time, and my dad would go, really, like all the time? Huh, so how much today? Well, I didn't do it today or yesterday, but I mean, you know, it feels like I'm doing it all the time. Okay. I mean, I know it might feel like, son, that you're doing it all the time, but honestly, like how much have you, whatever. And so, because um, my dad was a big fan of reading the scriptures and the scriptures would kind of give us instruction and I would just go, oh, that's all I ever do. And my dad would go, really? Like, so how much did you do today? <laughs> and it really is, can I just, you know, the, the part that I have to just confess, as I said to you before, is just kind of thinking through this, I began to look back at, um, I spent some time uh, just working through some issues last week, and I spend time in the Psalms and in First Peter and in Revelation, um, and that's really where I spent almost all of my time. And then, kind of near the end of it, I thought, "Wow!" And I went to the Sermon on the Mount, and I thought, "I need to spend some time here to hear the words of Jesus." And so I, I kind of had to redirect myself. And I know that's still kind of a Word of God paradigm, but um, we, we love to remind people. I've never, I've never had anyone come into my office and say, "I'm building my life around Christ, and this is the mess that it's creating." in my family or at work, and here, here are the, the difficulties that has come from that. Um, very, or I, I shouldn't say that. I guess I, maybe I have had a, a few that their, their devotion to Jesus has created some waves in some other relationships. I have to admit, yeah, I have had some of those. But the majority of times that we deal with things are people that are not focused on Christ. And I really think it's important that we, that we genuinely ask the question, um, I don't know how long a basketball game or a football game is, but I'm assuming it's two or three hours. And I, I would bet that the majority of us have a thing that we do in the week that is probably longer than we would do in a week, kind of focusing on the words and the teachings of Christ. You said, Net, who's, who talked about Netflix? Did you talk about Netflix? Yeah. And how, when I first saw Stranger Things, that first, I went through all, I think, eight episodes, and I, I could not get enough of that, right? And I'm not going, whoa, 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 I want to hear Jesus for a bit. No, I mean, every, every episode was, like, exciting. If I were to really take a look at where I am spending the majority of my time, right? Jesus isn't even close to the top of it. And then I think it's good for me to just to be honest. Okay, so it's not like it's Jesus all the time. It's maybe even learning that we need to have, which I think is what Mark Scott is saying, we need to have an appropriate orientation to the Lord and to the Savior. And, you know, that's one thing that we just need to constantly remind people that one of the things that we can do to keep it applicable and fresh is maybe introduce them to the Jesus they never knew. Um, and not because we're being creative, but because we're really realizing, wow, my agenda, I think one of the reasons why Jesus is so interesting to me is he points out on a regular basis that his agenda is oftentimes different than my agenda. So I, I get frustrated with him because he's not about my stuff and he's not about my feelings and he's not about my, he may care about me, and I think he does care about me, but he cares about me by drawing attention to himself. 
and that's what the gospels do. And I'll tell you, I need that. So, conversely, you could say the same thing on the actual doing of the living out the gospel. Yeah. How much time are you actually spending living it out? Living it out. How much time are you actually going and serving people? How much time are you actually you know, what? tell me the things that you're doing right now to serve people in the name of Christ. Yeah. And a lot of people, they have this passion and this frustration that somehow others aren't doing it. And then you ask them that, like, oh, cool. So tell me some ways you've been creatively finding yeah. to, to do that. Well, you know, I'm not, but I think we should. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, again, that's something we all have to check in ourselves yeah. before we pull the speck out of someone's eye, be willing to take that the log, log out of, of our ourselves. Own. Well, I think it's critical that we never allow the obedience to Christ and the knowing and worshiping Christ. Those always have to go hand in hand. Never, ever, 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 ever separate them. Hope this has been a blessing to you guys. Um, and I really do pray. If you have any questions about this or um, you're trying to figure out how to keep the teaching of Christ applicable, he just calmed a storm on a sea. What does that mean to my life? Um, how do I even move from one? Is this the storms of my life? There are so many people that I know, both on staff, elders, and others, who would love to engage you with how to properly know and apply an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. So please reach out to us. We love you guys, and we'll see you next uh, time on this podcast.